0: Welcome to Firm Foundation Ministries Podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you to live out the purpose God has for your life. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Here in the house today, though, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 12 as we continue in our sermon series that we kind of paused last week to celebrate 25 years to have Pastor Art here and share and, and um It was a great moment, but today I want to get back to this story. If you don't know and you haven't caught up, you can go back online and do that. Uh, But we've been in a series that I've just simply challenged or titled uh, children's stories in order to walk us through some things that I think God really wants to speak that sometimes we can miss the depth of the Word of God to prove to you that the Word of God has a transforming power, and sometimes we don't see the depth of what God is doing. And we relegate those things to small stories or things that might be insignificant or even things that um, we, we um, misinterpret in some ways. I'm not against children's Bibles. Hello, somebody. Please don't send me any emails. Uh, I, I just am for the depth of the Word of God, and I think that we don't have to hide the depth of the Word of God from our children. I think we don't have to dumb down the scripture for our children. As a matter of fact, I I have learned that the young people that I hang around want the depth. Because the world they live in, they realize it's pretty shallow. Somebody say amen. I want to read a scripture to you and move, transform, or transition, I think, into uh, um, a particular Bible character that I think today you'll find interesting. But in Genesis chapter 12, the Bible says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, your father's house, to the land that I'll show you, and I'll make you, everybody say, "Make make you, a great nation, and I'll bless you and make your name great, so that you'll be a blessing. Let's just pause there and pray. Father, it's the word of God, and so we pray over it. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart, in Jesus' name. And everyone said... I want to talk today about Sarah. I opened up with Abram, but I want to talk today about Sarah. Now, Pastor Art mentioned her a little bit last week, and he had no idea that I had planned this message, um, but he also had no idea that I almost decided not to include Sarah in this message. Now, I want to show you something here. I have 101 favorite stories from the Bible. 101. Favorite children's stories from the Bible. That's a lot of stories. 101. Out of 101 stories, favorite Bible stories from the Bible... Sarah is not mentioned. So I struggled to find the children's story to set this sermon up this week. So I made up my own. Do you have a mommy? She loves you. In fact, I don't think she could imagine life without you. She'd be very sad. Back in the Old Testament, there's a story of a woman who couldn't have a little boy or a little girl. She didn't think she'd ever become a mommy. And she got really old, and she began to cry because she didn't have a little boy or a little girl like you. She couldn't hold her own children. She was sad. She had no children to take care of. She had no one to call her mommy. Her name was Sarah. But then one day, God spoke to Sarah and said that even though you're old, I'm going to make sure you have a baby. A baby boy, as a matter of fact. And she laughed and laughed and laughed. In fact, when she did have a baby boy, she called this name Isaac, which literally translates laughter. That's a great story. I wrote that all by myself. (laughs) I am admitting to you today, I almost, like most children's stories, didn't preach on Sarah. At first glance, what I see doesn't seem like much, particularly when it comes to faith. Then I read Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. And the Bible says, by faith. Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered God faithful who had promised. God commends sarah for her faith as a matter of fact to god sarah was so important that he wanted every woman everywhere to admire her in fact even though most children's stories bible stories will leave sarah out As a Bible student, I have discovered that Sarah is the most mentioned woman in all of the Scripture. Sarah alone is mentioned 57 times. 57 times she is mentioned in the Scripture, yet she's not in most children's stories. I want your mind to be blown away. She's mentioned more than Eve? Come on. She's 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 mentioned more than Deborah? Come on. Deborah? She's mentioned more than Mary. The mother of Jesus. Sarah is mentioned in the totality of the scripture more than the mother of Jesus. If she's not in our pretty little stories. When we remember, Sarah, you know what we remember? We remember that she was 90 years old when she gave birth. You, you know what we remember? We remember that uh, she laughed when God said she'd have a child. You, you know what we remember? We remember she was so beautiful that Abraham had to lie not once but twice to guys that she was his sister, not his wife, because he was scared they were going to kill him and take her. I don't, I don't know about you. But if my wife is standing there and I tell some dude that she's my sister instead of my wife because I'm scared he's going to kill me and take her, when I get home, I'm going to die anyway. Just It's just my life. I don't know about yours. However God says by faith. She did something very impressive. Listen, listen to the scripture. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Really? Really? Because that's not the way I remember the story. I read Hebrews and I'm like, wait a minute. Did the author of Hebrews read the same story about Sarah that I did? He literally writes, and it's in your Bible, and it has survived for thousands of years. Watch what he writes. She considered him faithful who had promised. When? Did you read the story? I don't have time to read your Bible to you. (laughs) I remember Sarah hearing about going to have a child and her laughing at God. (laughs) I remember her laughing so hard that God himself rebukes her and her husband for it. And then I remember her lying about laughing. Maybe she thought God didn't hear her because she was inside the tent and they were outside the tent. Maybe she forgot that it didn't matter where God was. He could have been three miles away. He would have still heard her laughing. He's God. Doesn't sound like a woman who believed God's going to give her a child. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Let me, let me do this for us. Let me, let me do this for us. Let's take a little back journey here. About 25 years before Sarah gives birth to Isaac, God's sitting down with Abram, and we just read it. And, and, and he, he's saying, Hey, I, I need you to get away from here. I need you to get away from this influence. I need to get I need you to get away from all this stuff. I need you to go to a land that I'm gonna show you. And and uh, when you get to that land, I'm I'm gonna make you I'm gonna make you a great nation. Now that's a great promise. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Come on. It's just one problem. <laughs> Any kids. You can't become a great nation if you don't have any kids. But here's God saying, go where I tell you, and I'll take care of making you a great nation. Implied in that statement, church, is you're going to have some kids. Now, let's fast forward a few years. Not, not all the way, but a few years. So Abram's about 85. So let's just, let's just move forward a little bit here. And Abram says uh, to the Lord here in, in, in Genesis uh, 15, i just read it to you. Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue to be childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. You have given me no offspring. And God, God interrupts him in, in uh, chapter 15, verse 2 through 6. And he says, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. I love it. We just sang this song. Let my heart believe when you speak. Great is your fate. We just sang this song. Let my, and so, behold, the word of the Lord came. and This man, Eliezer, shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look towards the heaven. Number the stars if you're able to number them. So shall your offspring bring. And Abram believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Okay, all right, all right, chill out. It's just a children's story. A couple more years dragged by come on church and there's still any children you ever had to wait on God Mm. so Sarah gets impatient Art mentions it last week a little bit and she comes up with this brilliant idea here's what she says let me read it to you from the scripture in Genesis 16 Uh, here's what she says behold now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children now he said She's going to have children. He said, I'm going to make sure you have babies. Now she comes and says, God has prevented me. Go into my servant. It may be, I shall obtain a children by her. <laughs> here, here, is the most, here is the most cheeseburger short of a Happy Meal Statement, the Bible says, and he listened to her. (laughs) Every man who's reading this at this moment can go, there is no way this is going to end (laughs) well. Negative. Every one of us are screaming, don't do it, don't do it, no. It's a setup. You ever looked at your buddy and just go, it's a setup, don't do it, man. It's a setup, don't do it. And he listened to her. Abraham, it's referred to in the Bible as a great man of faith. But this was a bad idea, church. This is gonna backfire big time. There is no way that, and it was Sarah's idea. Let me let me read to you Hebrews. <laughs> By faith, Sarah received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Wait a minute. That's not the way I remember the story. As a matter of fact, what I remember in the story is she specifically said, the Lord has prevented me. I mean, when you read something in the Bible, you ever had one of those moments, hold up, wait a minute, something ain't right. Maybe, maybe you don't. I can't say it. I want to say it. Maybe you don't read the Bible like I do. I just said, like, wait a minute. This is the most horrible idea in the world. And If for nothing else, this is terrible marriage advice. She's tired of waiting on God. Let me say this very slowly again. She's not an evil woman. She's tired. Hope is lost. Fatigue will drain us of hope. Struggle will rob us of the ability to see anything positive regardless of what God has even spoken. She's tired. And so she came up with her own solution. Why would a woman of great faith even suggest something like that? Can I get personal for a minute? It's early in the sermon. Can I get personal? Are you tired of waiting on God? Man, you're going through some stuff. Maybe you're like me in your filing cabinet. You got a file folder this thick of God's prophetic words to you over your life. I keep every one of them. And, and once a year, I review back through those things. And God, you said. Are you tired of waiting on God? Let me, let me get a little bit deeper in my little personal push this morning. You, t- you tired of waiting on God and now you're making up your own solutions? But Pastor Don, you just don't understand this marriage has been hell for 20 years. These children have been demon possessed. This addiction, I can't shake it. I've been fighting this battle, Marianne's word. I've been fighting this thing. I've been struggling with this thing for so long. I've done everything uh, people have told me to do, and here I still found myself defeated. And and, and God, Pastor Don, you don't understand. This depression is so dark. You don't understand this anxiety. It consumes me. Pastor Don, you don't understand how tired I am from the battle. These financial, we never seem to be able to get ahead. You, you just don't get it. I'm, I'm so I'm so tired. I'm struggling. I can't. It's not working. We waited on God and waited on God. And, and, and you're not an evil person. You'll love God. This is not about salvation. This is not about loving God. This is a reality. This is the truth of the matter. This sickness has been long. God has promised us healing in my wife's life from this rheumatoid arthritis. Diagnosed at age 23. You you guys don't understand. There's not a waking moment of my wife's life where she is not physically in pain. And yet I see her. Get up every day and believe God. I see her not able to pour me Something to drink because her hands can't carry the weight of the pitcher. Listen, we understand this is reality. I see her weep because she loves to cook and can't because her hands. Don't think we don't understand what it means. And I remember one time sitting in a doctor's office with her literally talking about this and going, what is going on? And this one doctor actually suggested something that was, that was as, as, as a cheeseburger short of a Happy Meal as I've ever heard. He said, you know what you should do? You should go get some grapes, go to the liquor store and buy a bottle of wine, soak those grapes in the wine, and eat those grapes, and it'll help you. I've never been so convinced in my life but I've got to press into God's promise and listen to other people's stupidity. This was medical advice. I'm not beating up doctors. There's a couple of them in the house. We love you. (laughs) These two would never suggest that though. Are you, are, you t- are you making up your own solutions? Not because you don't love God. Not because you're sinning willfully. I'm, I'm just telling you, come on church. Let me tell you something. If you find yourself so tired over the circumstance, the situation, or the issue. If you find yourself in that spot. Let me tell you something. If you get in a place where you start making up your own solutions. That will always lead to non-biblical actions. Oh, I'm preaching this morning. Y'all don't even know it yet. You start making up your own solutions and it will always produce non-biblical actions. And when your actions don't line up with God's timing, the result will never be God's promise. God promised Isaac, but her actions created a counterfeit. Ishmael. I said her actions, come on church, produced a counterfeit. And that counterfeit was Ishmael. It was not the son. Counterfeits never carry the value of the promise. I'm going to say it again because y'all didn't get happy. I'm about to preach myself happy this morning. Counterfeits never Carry the value of promise. You take that counterfeit dollar into any store. See what happens to you. You're going to meet the secret service. You ain't walking out of that store with no products. The promise of that counterfeit bill won't purchase. Come on, it do not have no value. It doesn't have any value. Let me tell you something, married people. You're struggling in your marriage, and you're wondering why your relationship's not working, and you're longing for the depth of a relationship, and you find yourself every day at the water cooler at work because all of a sudden there's a counterfeit standing there that talks about how pretty your hair is and how good your cologne smells when the one at home ain't doing that. You think that counterfeit's going to produce the promise of God, and you start making up your own solutions, you're going to wind up destroyed. I'm telling you right now. Just stay away from that water cooler. It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. Come on, you're struggling mentally, and you think that alcohol is going to take uh, the pain off, right? And you find yourself at the bottom of every bottle and never can figure out why the pain is still there. I'm telling you, it won't produce the promise of God because man's wine never produces the joy of God's wine. You find yourself as a person struggling with pornography and you wonder why you can never experience the depth of intimacy in every relationship or any relationship you have. It's because in your own actions you've been following non biblical uh, issues and actions and you are falling into the mode of counterfeit. It won't do it. You live in anger and unforgiveness and you wonder why there's so much bitterness in your life Because in your own actions, you think God has not paid them or God has not uh, uh, put justice on the action that they did against you. And so you'll take your own actions and you start living in unforgiveness. You start living, amen, in revenge and those things. And no wonder your life is full of bitter. Not just towards those people that hurt you, but everybody in your life will suffer the bitterness of your action. Why? Because your actions have produced non-biblical things. I don't care what they did to you. Forgiveness, I'm touching on some stuff. I feel it. I feel like somebody's saying, I feel some toes moving back behind and under the chair this morning. That's all right if God's stepping on your toes. He stepped on mine. Yeah. You're tired of waiting on God, so now you're making your own solutions? We wonder Why? We wonder why we don't see the promise of God happening in our life. is because we're accepting non-biblical solutions. What does the Bible say? And then my job is to submit to that. It's, it's, it's not complicated, but I realize that surrender is not as easy as we'd like it to be. How many of us in this room, how many of us listening right now can literally say, I've been living in counterfeit? And no wonder I'm not experiencing the promise of God. I have accepted something that cannot carry the value of the promise. And so what God does is 15 years later, he shows up. And he says to Sarah, you're going to have a baby. (laughs) It doesn't sound like a woman who considers God faithful. Here we have God telling us all about Sarah and her shortcomings. This is what I love about the Scripture. I I love the fact that God does not hide the shortcomings of the biblical heroes in order to get us to believe in Him. Instead, He gives us people we can relate to. He gives us people we can understand. He, He gives... we have God telling us about our shortcomings we can see all our warts all our blemishes listen she ain't got no Facebook filter to cover it up and let me let me just say this to guys and women alike ladies when you're Facebook filtering your face but you're leaving your cleavage wide open on social media there's an issue Oh, Pastor Don just said something, and everybody, I'm going to get some emails. I'm going to say, just send them to Breno. <laughs> he is the complaint department. Let me tell you something, yet every woman in this room, your beauty has nothing to do with a filter you can put on your face, and your beauty has nothing to do with how much of your flesh you can show. Your beauty has everything to do in that God created you as the greatest creation in all of the cosmos. Nothing is created like you. There is nothing created like you. You don't have to smear it on and take it off to realize that you're a beautiful creation. You can take that to the bank and say, Pastor Don told me. That'll help me when I have to answer some emails about that last comment. Gentlemen, you're the same way. Right? Nobody care if you got six abs or one. Okay? <laughs> I don't. I got one. I got one ab right there. It's a product of sweet tea. It's right there. Little Debbie's, amen to that. Can I say this to you? I want you to write this down. I want you to be blessed by it. Great faith does not mean you don't have doubts. Well, I know somebody's just balking in a moment. Wait, what? Well, let me repeat it so that you grab it in your spirit. Great faith does not mean you won't have doubts. Can I prove it to you? Abraham had doubts. Sarah had doubts. Jacob had doubts. Moses had doubts. Joshua had doubts. David had doubts. Esther had doubts. In fact, practically every individual in the 11th chapter of Hebrews had doubts. David even wrote in the Scripture, in Psalms 13, How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Forever? Jeremiah wrote, why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? I, these two guys aren't the only one who sit in their prayer closet and ask God that question. Every person in this room has. They're just the only two brave enough to write it down so you can read it. And let me tell you something. David, David was a man. Don't you, don't, don't you doubt him. I mean, you read a book called A Leap Over a Wall, it'll change your idea about this little bitty shepherd boy strumming a harp. He would gut you. David was scared of no one or anything. When the the Philistine generals, giants in the land are testifying to their own king, he will kill us all. You, You better understand, this little grasshopper wasn't something to be squished. He was a man. He was a man. I love him. He would gut you. He backed down from nothing or nobody. And yet he writes, how long will you forget us? How long? He literally said this, how long will you hide your face from me? Oh! now we're getting personal again. Because I know I'm not the only one in this room who stood before the Lord and go, why are you hiding from me, God? Why are you hiding from me, God? You promised me you'd never leave me nor forsake me. Where is your presence, God? I don't feel you right now. I don't understand where you're at, God. How come you speak to this person and that person? And I have got to fight and scrap for every little word from the kingdom of heaven, from the throne room of God. God, why aren't you speaking? Am I the only one who's with David and said, why why are you hiding from me? And I maybe you don't read your I'm like, hey David, I got you buddy. And you man. i man. Right there. People of faith do doubt. They just don't stay there. Eventually they make a choice to believe in spite of what they have experienced. And I'm going to say this and I want you to chew on it for a minute. I want you to just let it drop in your spirit and just ruminate on it. You can chew the meat and spit out the bones. You can puke the whole thing out if you want to. But I'm going to say it. Sometimes you got to look reality in the eye and deny it. Because faith has always put God In between reality. Oh. That's what faith does, it puts God in between me and reality. Oh, come on, me and reality, me and reality. I was watching this TV show this weekend. Well, I don't have a lot of time, but I got to say this. And and I was marveled by it because uh, they were they were just showing how these engineers had, had to move this this great big stone uh, that they were moving. And this, they built this whole apparatus that had like 150 tires under it. And, and it, it, you know, this crane they had to manufacture and build uh, this to move this stone into a particular space that's a piece of artwork now and those type of things. And they, they talked about how many millions of pounds this thing weighed and they needed to move it uh, to a particular place and, and they had to engineer this thing and it took it, it, the, the crane was so big that it could only move five miles an hour and they moved this, this stone to this great place where they had prepared for it and those things and then they began to compare it to stones that are in the great pyramid and this stone looked like a pebble next to them and they're going we have, we have no idea how they moved it? Now these people are crazy in the head because ancient aliens did it, and my wife's like, "Why do you watch this?" I said, well, "You know what? I'm very interested because they have a truth. It's 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 reality. There is that rock, and there is the, the you know. It's how'd they do it? Stones fitted so good you can't put a human hair between them. How'd they do it? You see." What we often forget is that when we're reading the Scripture is that the Old Testament is an incredible time of supernatural events that take place on planet Earth. It never hides them from us. We just live in a modern-day world where we trust everything else but the supernatural working power of God. That's why we don't have any faith. So I'll accept the counterfeit. That woman's better than my wife. That man's better than my wife. That's a counterfeit. This will take the edge off instead of the word of God. Let me say something. I'm going to say it to the day I don't have a breath anymore. And I promise you, when you come and walk by my casket, I'm going to have a note that says, Read your Bible! It'll transform your life. I'm believing in some ancient alien. Do I understand that supernatural beings walked the earth? Yeah, they're called giants. And they lived all across the planet. So much so that God sent a flood to wipe them out. Because they were corrupting the bloodline so that Christ couldn't come. Y'all don't get it. It's just doctrine. It's just doctrine. It's in Genesis chapter 6. It's the plan of the enemy because God had promised that the Savior would come through the bloodline of man. And so Satan begins to pervert the bloodline of man by sending angels to have sex with women and they begat giants. That pollutes the whole bloodline so that Christ can't come. And God says, got something for you? It's called water. We'll wipe them out. I don't have time to do all this for you. But it'll blow your mind. (laughs) Sometimes you've got to look reality in the eye and deny it because faith puts God between us and reality. And here is my point: it's not unusual for people of faith to experience doubts. Christy came up. She said, "You watched Penn State game this weekend? Is a whiteout. Now another color in the stadium. They go in there believing this is ours." will drown reality out. Reality is there's an enemy here who wants to take victory from us. I I got it. Somewhere along the line, if you're going to be a person of faith, you got to decide to trust God. It might blow your mind. It might not make sense to you. But I need you to get away from a land and go to where I'll It'll make sense to me. I'm pretty comfortable right here. Why can't we do what you need to do right where I'm at, God? I need you to move away from a place that's going to rob the supernatural ability for you to believe what I'm putting in your heart so that I can speak to you in a way that causes us to walk by faith. That's when it truly begins. How do I get to this point, Pastor Don? How do I get to the point where I can learn to trust God? Well, I'm glad you asked. Moody, an incredible guy. He made a statement. We'll put it up here. Moody once said, I prayed for faith. I thought that someday it would come rushing down and strike me like lightning. But faith didn't seem to come. Then one day I read... Romans, imagine that. And it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He said, I had up to this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I open my Bible and begin to study and faith has been growing ever since. My wife says, why are you so stressed out? I just say, I got to get in the word. I I need more time in the word. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word. Sarah became a woman of faith. You know why? Because she actually heard God with her own ear. She had once doubted him. I'm going to tell you a little story here. Why Hebrews has the ability to say she believed he was faithful who had spoken. Come on, come on, come on. Because in this story, we didn't read that. But I'm going to tell you why Hebrews can testify of that. Are you ready? Here we go. Come on, right? In Genesis 18, watch this. Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is... He's old. Some of you old people understand. Will I not have this pleasure... Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she really say, Will I have a child now that I'm old? Y'all need to underline this in your Bible. Genesis 18, 12, and 15. There's a portion in the scripture that it says, is God testifies, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Come on, I just hit on a bunch of counterfeits. The reason you've accepted them is because you have bought a lie from the enemy that what I am dealing with right now is too hard for God. God doesn't even care, and I've got to accept something else. My marriage can't be fixed. God doesn't care. He won't get involved. He won't fix my spouse all the time while you're ignoring that God's trying to work on your heart. Man, the word of God, the Holy Spirit's not enough. I need this. I got to have this, right? I got to put this into it. You know what I'm saying? Those type of things. I want you to understand we've accepted, we've accepted counterfeits because we have actually said, yes, this is too hard for God. Mm. And so God says, you know what? This is a book. I don't have a trick Bible. He says, I'm going to come back in a year, one year's time. And Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied. I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did. Now, I don't think God was offended by her laughter. I want you to hear me with your good ears. She wasn't mocking God. It's just that after all those years, she struggled with her doubts. And who can't relate to that? Come on, Jesus. How many times do we have to nail this board back on this fence? How many times do I have to hear, I'm sorry, I'll try and do better? How many times? Do I have to tell those children not to act up? How many times do I have to go to this doctor and hear this doctor say? For a year now, the doctor's been telling me, hey, you're in kidney failure. What? What? And so they want, they want me to go do blood work, and my wife's like, hey, you got to go do blood work. And I'm like, number one, it's, it's not biblical. I can't find it in the Bible for someone to literally suck the life-giving blood out of my body. I'm struggling with this. It's just a big old needle about this big around. I can't, no. There's nothing Jesus about that. Hey, I'm saying, I don't know if it's a reality or not. But I refuse to let fear dominate my life. Are you, are you with me? Come on, church. We can relate to this woman, not condemn her. But the reason we don't put her in these books is because the story is Horrible. Now I lay me down to sleep. Let me tell you about a woman who laughed at God. I mean, like, come on, kids, gather around. Now Sarah heard God, and He spoke three things. And I need you to watch this. And I am going to close. First, she heard that God had heard her laugh. Oh boy, God. Be, she's in this tent. She didn't think He'd heard her. Hello, somebody. But she heard that God had heard her laugh. Oh boy, God knows me. God knows where I'm at. Oh, oh boy, what's going to happen to me? Now God really knows what's going on in my heart. She thought she could hide her feelings, but she couldn't. Secondly, for the first time, she had personally heard God speak this promise. Up until this point, God had only spoken to Abram. But now she heard this promise with her own ears. Let me tell you something. You can't live on somebody else's faith. You can't. Married people are struggling. You can't live on somebody else's testimony that God healed their marriage because all you're going to do is go, God didn't love me like he loves them. And you're going to condemn God. Come on, church. You've got to have your own faith. She had heard God say, in one year I'm going to return. And she'll have a son. And third, God said something she'd probably never thought about before. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You know the the lyrics on that song? Lord, help my heart believe what you've spoken. You know people who struggle in their faith? They struggle with that. Come on. Is anything too hard for the Lord? People who struggle in their faith struggle with that statement. Is anything too hard for God? Problems and obstacles that we can't handle, we wonder, you know what? God don't even care. Let's not even get to the point that it's too big for him. I'm just telling you right now how I feel. God doesn't even care. Sooner or later... We get to that point that if we can cross that boundary, then we use the idea that God isn't big enough to do what I need to be done. But you know what? Sooner or later, you've got to make this decision for yourself. Pastor Don can't make it for you. There isn't any easy button. I don't have one for you. You've got to personally come to the point where you have decided that you are going to trust God. And though he slay me, yet will I trust him. God asked this question today to us. Is anything too hard for God? And he asked it not only of us today. Let me prove to you he's been asking it for a long time. In Isaiah chapter 50 verse 2. Was my arm too short to ransom you? Do I lack the strength to rescue you? God's been asking this question for a long time. My wife's all of five foot tall on a good day. That's why she's called the morgesita, little woman, right? And can you see my wife at five foot tall not able to reach the top shelf? And she's got another problem. Her husband's only 5'9". On a good day, when he's not recovering from back issues or knee issues, all, you know, the squishing down. And so, uh, you know, when you go to the driver's license office and they go, how tall are you? And you say 5'9", and the lady looks at you and goes, really? You're, you, know, you know you're in trouble. But my wife has a 6' foot tall son who's a beast of a man. she can't reach something and she goes to her six foot tall son who's a beast of a man she says to him would you reach that for me because I can't and you can that my friends is what faith is all about it's coming to the point to where you recognize that you can't but God can Ow! Jesus, can you do this for me because I can't, but you can. Jesus, can you do this for me because I can't, but you can. Hey, Jesus, can you do this for me because I can't, but you can. Let me tell you something in here this morning. I don't know where you at and whether I've stepped on your toes. And, and believe it, if you think it was me, it wasn't. It was the Holy Ghost because he knew you would be here. I need you to understand it doesn't matter who you are, what you're going through, where you've been or where you're going. God's arm is not too short. He is not too short to help you this morning. You don't have to accept it counterfeit you can put your faith in God and watch him do miracles Ephesians bubbles me it burns me it sets my soul on fire in chapter 3 verse 20 God is able to do immeasurably more all than you can imagine according to his power that works within us and I go I don't know God I got a pretty good imagination My wife's been in pain for 30 years. I got a pretty good imagination. I got a good one, God. I, you're able. And so when I pray for her, I want to walk away from God. How long will you forget us? And I want to move into Galatians. God is able. God is able. God is able. God is able. That family member that's not saved. Man, they're living like hell and loving living with the devil. But God is able. God is able to save them. That prodigal who's been out there a long time and likes the smell of the mud. Hey, God is able. God is able. Come on, church. That marriage that I'm ready to give up on, I know with God. God, all things are possible. I might be done. I can't do it. But God, you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's what changed in Sarah. She heard God and she believed him. I need you, if you will, in your Bibles, go to Genesis 21. Because I, I, I just need, I, don't, I know I usually read this stuff. I need you to see it for yourself. Genesis twenty one six and listen to Sarah's testimony. God has brought me laughter. There he is, Isaac, there he is, there he is, there he is, he's he's there. God has brought me laughter. Now I'm not condemned for laughing. Now I'm not condemned for laughing. Amen. Instead, God brought me laughter. Here he is. It's right here. It's God's promise. And watch what she says. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Come on, church. Amen. That thing that once debilitated, amen. With it, God made a way to reveal that he is faithful and that he is true to his word. And now Hebrews makes sense to me. Calm down, it's a children's story. She gave birth to the child God had promised. And you'd think that'd be the end of the story. At least you're hoping that's the end of the sermon. It's the promise, the birth of Isaac. Isaac. Think that would be the last laugh, but it wasn't. There's a famous man. His name's Paul Harvey. He used to say, "Now, for the rest of the story, the Bible is full of it. (laughs) Believe it or not, believe it or not, the Apostle Paul tells us that when Sarah gave birth to Isaac, Isaac's birth was a reflection of our salvation." Well, let me rock your world right here. Galatians 4, you've read it, but I hope you see it now. Abraham had two sons, verses 22 and 23. One by a slave woman, one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. Now you, everybody say me. Now you... Like Isaac, our children of promise. Hey, come on, I got, I felt a Doug Schwartz anointing right there. Glory to God. Ha! Little Pentecostal roots just fell out of there. Don't worry, I'm not going to do any should have bought a Honda's. Oh, what about a kawasaki? I, I, oh, come on. Sometimes the word of God just sets your spirit and shakes you, doesn't it? Here's the point. Sarah couldn't do anything by herself to get pregnant. She tried. Over and over and over again for years. It, it wasn't that Abraham came to God. Hey, hey, Lord, here's the reason I've got a problem with this issue. My wife and I, yeah, that didn't happen a lot. He didn't say that. Implied in the scripture is, yeah, we tried it a lot. No, come on, Christians, don't get offended by all of that. Why, how do you think all these little big Christians get walking around here? Everybody knows. Everybody knows. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. The same way the Bible is teaching us that none of us can do anything to save ourselves. Oh, come on, Pastor Dawn is helping you today. The only way Sarah could get pregnant is because God made a promise. She's way too old. The only way you and I have hope of salvation is because God made a promise. Because you and I are way too sinful. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of your own doing is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one can boast. In other words, church, you can't do anything to earn your own salvation. You can't, you can't. It's a gift of God. It's something that God has promised and all God asks is that we accept his gift on his terms. Come on, church. I, I might not be much good to you for anything in this world. Except to tell you, God is not offended by your doubt. And to encourage you, don't let that doubt lead you to embrace counterfeits that will never carry the value of the promise of God. Oh, Now you know why they were afraid to write about her. Come on, church. Now you know why. Come on, church. Will you stand with me in this place? I want to violate you right here, right now. If I never get to see you again from this day till that side of heaven... I'm okay with the last thing you remember me ever saying to you is don't accept the counterfeit. I'm okay. I'm okay with you feeling like maybe I meddled with you a little bit today. But listen, I want you to understand this is one thing I share with all these young people who are teaching to preach and share the word of God. God will never let you live a sermon he doesn't let you live. And you better be afraid of a Bible teacher who don't live what they preach. this room. Listen, I get a bunch of flack for being masculine, whatever. What, what do they call this stuff? What, what is it? What is it whether they when they're trend, chauvinistic or that? Uh, let me tell you something, ladies. Don't protect your husbands from the men of God in their life. Get out of the way. If there's a man of God who's in your husband's life, Be okay when he gets violated. I want to tell every man in this room, you accepting counterfeits for a moment of pleasure, it's going to destroy your family. And I would much rather my children be offended for a moment in time because they saw me not. Come on. Because they saw me stand and refuse to move. They later have them realize that no matter what I've been or where I've gone in the life, I always knew where my daddy would be because he never moved. They'll show back up. I would rather our families see us go to battle, come on church, and die for their honor And let us see us compromise for our own selfishness. I want to challenge you gentlemen. If you've been compromising. If you've been accepting counterfeits. Hello somebody. You better find a garbage can and throw that mess in there. You better be done with it. And you better say no more. I'll only accept the reality of God. And though he slay me. Yet will I serve him. Let me tell you something women you're the most precious thing in this world nothing's created like you in all of the created cosmos if you don't believe me just read the story of creation again you created like nothing else was created you are so significant to the plan of God don't accept the world's idea of your value stick your tongue out at them and embrace the fact that you are a handmaiden of God you belong to the Lord you're a daughter of the King walk with your head held high understand who you are and if you've been accepting counterfeits you better find a garbage can and watch God in that act of faith say as you put it in there whatever it is watch God turn the story around like he did for Sarah and in the end the testimony is God has given me laughter (laughs) there it is (laughs) it's not for spite it's not in doubt it's the reality the promise of God has come hello somebody if you never ever have given your heart and life to Jesus this morning and you've been living in the counterfeit of religion you better abandon it Nothing like Jesus. Never has been, never will be. You can acknowledge that you're a sinner and that you've fallen short of the glory of God and that you need to repent of your sin. You can confess that Jesus will be your Lord and Master and that He'll be your all in all. Allow yourself to be washed in His Spirit, cleansed by His blood. Today is your day. This altar is open for anybody as we sing this song. Move, let God move you to something. Because he is faithful church. He is faithful church. Bless you, Jesus. Jesus, in this place today, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters. So much comes in our lives, Lord, to rob us of the idea that you are faithful to cause us to forget all those times, God, where you have been there. You have never left us nor forsaken us. This moment, God, we can be in your presence and still be standing in condemnation because we have doubts. What about this? What about that? Because reality has smacked us in the face and it has discouraged us sickness and struggle and financial problems and family issues But God you are faithful and right now in the name of Jesus I want to declare I want to declare the promise of God God give them laughter yeah. give them laughter God time is nothing for you but right now in the name of Jesus we just receive that one year from now When you show back up, the promise will have been born. We just receive it, we receive it, we receive it. And so, Father, miracles. Not because we earned it, but because you're a good God. Lord, all of us in this room relate to this great woman of God. Thank you for her example. Thank you for her testimony. Let us sit deep in our spirit. And give us rest and confidence. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Yeah, he's so good. Turn around and tell your neighbor, great is his faithfulness.